because I think it's heartbreaking the idea that like somebody was born and that was the moment that their parents' lives stopped being cool. Hello, hello, and welcome to Read, Learn, Live, your book club discussion times 10. I'm your acclaimed host, John Monaster, and I'd like you to join me as I take a deep dive into the world of literature. Welcome to episode one, where I'm delighted to have the opportunity to speak with author Nate Wagoner. Nate is the author of Dilettante and Heartless Manipulators, a novel from Snow Goose Press. He is the co-editor of the-tusk.com, on which he and his ex-girlfriend, co-host the Invitation to Love podcast. He co-hosts the funny, sexy, sad reading series in Brooklyn, and he's written for the Shipwreck Erotic Fan Fiction Contest and elsewhere. All right, so I'm here with Nate, my amazing roommate. Nate, say hello. Hey. <laughs> what did I, I feel like I brushed up against the mic and then it made the lights change colors or something. That's exciting, but don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. This is all part of the plan. <laughs> it's going to get psychedelic in just a second. So yeah, so Nate's joining me, and this is going to be all sorts of fun. I'm so excited to have him here. He is not only my roommate, he is an accomplished author, and I've got his book right here in my left hand, Dilettantes and Heartless Manipulators. First off, I wanted to talk a little bit about the writing process, because that I'm sure. always fascinated by. I love, I, I like to write, but I'm not great at it. I don't do it a lot. So I feel like now that you've got a whole novel, like that's that's a big deal. So I wanted to ask, you know, you know, why did you even decide to do this? Like, what started <laughs> you on this journey of like a lot of work? Yeah, well, um, I've I've been writing a long time, and I I went to uh, San Francisco State for my MFA, and I was so which is like you're working towards a thesis. I was so I was just kind of working on a few different ideas and different like voices and characters and stuff. And I, I think my idea early on was just to do short stories. Um, and uh, I, I have a, my, my friend kind of like bullied me like at a Christmas party, like early, like in my first, after my first semester, my friend was like, dude, like you're in a fucking MFA program. Like you have a chance to write a novel. Like that's like the coolest shit. Like you can write a novel. Like why the fuck aren't you doing that? So I was like, yeah, he's totally right. Like, it's like, that is the opportunity kind of like, not to like hate on anybody who does like great short story collections and things that are like kind of in between the two have definitely come out of MFA programs. But I was like, yeah, I've got to, I've got to take advantage of that and sort of tie these things. I started seeing that the things that I was writing about were tied together and, um, and that the, like that it was the same world and, um, and the the more the more like ways that I saw for it to be connected, the more fun I was having with it. I guess. So it sounds sort of like you were writing almost disparate or, or different things, and you realized that they could be brought together into the same world. So yeah, were you writing short stories of, with these characters in different places, or how did that work? Pretty much, and and um, I think anyone who reads it will probably see the, that that early on in it like this is something that a reader could deduce for themselves probably but like early on the earlier chapters are more come from me uh fucking around and exploring like what uh, who these characters are and what uh like what what's up with them uh and their lives and and what they're up to and it's more directionless i guess and then and then um 
increasingly it was a it was a three-year program and uh, like I think there was kind of like a dead period at one point where I was doing some other classes and then I like over time like I figured out like okay this is like these are the things that have to happen or whatever so then I I, I saw where it was going and sort of it's it started to give it uh direction while you were writing the book what was what was your process? Were you were you writing every day? Were you kind of just taking things, bringing them together that you had written in the past? How, how did you set about actually doing it once you decided you were going to do it? It depends. There's there's a part very early on uh, where Jimmy is talking about how he used to be married and everything like, and he's just he, it's just kind of like a monologue, and that that came uh, before school started. That was like I wrote that pretty early. And so, and then I would have a, a class that I had early on, uh, was a character development focused, uh, thing. And, um, so, and, and that was, uh, there were like a lot of little prompts and stuff. And, um, and so I was kind of, uh, I had like deadlines, which is like, to me is the best thing is where somebody actually will get mad at you if you don't produce something, um, that's like the most effective thing for me. And so it was a lot of like walking around and thinking of um, details and like remembering stuff from real life and trying to figure out ways to pull things together into like cohesive characters and narratives. So it was a lot of individual, it came about from a lot of individual um, assignments or essays that I, or, uh, uh, you know, short fiction pieces that I would turn in Um and uh and then later it became i'm just working on this novel more like um and then there was like a longer like editing rewrite process after that yeah which, which was like uh i get yeah so i guess i don't know it's um i didn't i didn't really have much of a schedule it's more of like a um uh just like whenever I can get this down because I've been thinking about it all day, which is like probably not good for your brain. Like it probably drove me a little crazy. Um, but that's like, that was how, that's how it was. Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes you got to go with a system that works for you. Right. I mean, in the end, oh, totally. everyone on the internet is going to tell you a million different suggestions for how to be productive or how to beat procrastination or whatever, Yeah. but you got to find what works for you. So that makes that makes a lot of sense because that worked for you. Yeah, you and I I think that's like the importance of deadlines is that they they give you no choice but to find what works for you. you yeah, know? fair enough. Maybe t tell me a bit about a time something you wrote surprised you or somehow something took like a surprising turn that even you weren't thinking about just as as you were writing or as you were flowing. Um. Yeah, that's interesting. I because I I think. Um, I, I think a lot of it through before I actually start typing out, but then mm -hmm. like in the forming of like sentences and uh, of actually writing it on the page, there's um, you, you find a lot of like ways to push things in funnier directions typically or um, uh, but, but I, I also think like over the course of, of writing a novel, like you, you definitely um I think there's a big struggle between trying to trying to like impart the knowledge that you have as a person and like be like be discovering it as you go in a way. And like, so I, I think like almost like the whole second half was like something that I discovered about the characters like later, you know what I mean? And I had like some of my favorite stuff in literature or movies or anything like 
takes you, it was say sympathizing with the character, and then later it's like, oh, they, they it drops a surprise on you for why they kind of suck as a person, and then but then it was like there all along, and I I think that's like there's planning there, but also that's like the author like discovered that at some point, like they spontaneously realized like um that makes sense, or maybe even sometimes the reverse might be true, like you might see them first as evil. Mm-hmm. And then later on, you find out, oh, there's actually some good in them. Yeah, yeah. And, and I was, I, of course, thinking of Darth Vader totally. when I came up with that example. Right, right. Um, and that's just the best to me. And so, like, and so, I mean, I think the more you write and the more you kind of, like, uh, force yourself to see something through to, like, a conclusion that's interesting, then the the hopefully the closer you'll come to finding moments like that where it's like, oh, I can, I can surprise the reader with a... Um, with with a with a character's um complexity yeah those surprises are really great i think that's what keeps readers hooked yeah in a lot of ways because yeah. if everything kind of proceeded along in a very normal and obvious fashion people would be like well i already figured it out who cares right <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that's cool so when you think about maybe new writers and maybe even thinking about how you were when you first started writing can you compare sort of what you know now versus what a lot of people when they're starting know and kind of the difference between that, like what, what, do, what does everyone think is like the right way to do it, but it turns out to be wrong. You know, that, that kind of a thought. I think it has a lot to do with, with what we were just talking about actually, because I think it would, it, it's um, I think that writers maybe start out thinking that they know all about life and like how, but then it's like, I started writing this book when I was like 24 and like, of course I didn't know. And I don't really know that much now. But like, uh, and I, I think the more you find yourself being like vulnerable and like open to stuff and like listening, then and the less you're being like didactic or condescending to the reader with like your knowledge or whatever, then like that's, um, I think it's yeah, it's almost like you learn that you don't know anything. You learn, yeah, like, you know? that's self discovery. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. So it's almost. It almost sounds therapeutic to me because you're really you're really discovering that you you don't have all the answers and there's there's a lot out there and maybe you're you're kind of channeling that into some of the characters. Yeah, I can see that. I think I think therapeutic is uh broad and <laughs> yeah. it's I I wouldn't I would say it's like um I I, I would tell a younger writer than myself to avoid pure catharsis like right in actually try like in an actual work of writing that they're trying to put out in the world because nobody likes it when you're like just like i'm so mad at my dad and you know what i mean like that's there's no but but then um maybe you can come from the perspective of like uh like the the person who's experiencing those emotions it once you um once you find like the other dimension that's kind of like um what am I trying to say? Like, if you're the person who says, I'm so mad at my dad, and that's, like, the thesis of the work, but it doesn't go anywhere further than that, then that's, like, that that sucks, and it's, like, uncomfortable to, to try and force anybody to read ever. But if, you, if you're, like, working through the character of that person and seeing them from, like, a more detached perspective, then that's, like, going to be more fun to read. Makes a lot of sense. That's some wise words of wisdom. Right there. Was it? I think that I might think have so. been a, uh, I think so. We'll, we'll look at the tapes later and decide, <laughs> yeah. but uh, I like it. So I want to kind of get into some of, some of the 
questions I had specifically about the book itself because it was, it was just a really interesting book. And But first I thought it would be helpful for everyone to hear kind of from your in, in your own words, like what is what is the book about? What's what's the kind of elevator pitch summary of, of what the book is? It's about uh, a love triangle and an escape from a cult and an aspiring rapper. Nice. I like the succinctness yeah. of that. They actually like made us do that when we are like putting our thesis together, which is like so good because normally yeah. it's like, well, I don't know. Like you don't really want to like put an elevator pitch together because it sounds fucking whack. But like then I like wrote it and I was like, oh yeah, I like that. I like that. That's what it's about. Yeah, wait, that helps. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, did you hear any others that were just like a mess? I mean, um, I I think there's like an art to, um, tying anything together thematically, uh, or you know, especially if things. I don't yeah I I don't know if I can think of one that's like an actual like novel plot summary like I just gave that I heard, mm-hmm. um and I I think, uh I I think if it's more disparate pieces then you can say that these touch on themes of like uh childhood and uh and and you know you know you you can list a bunch of themes and say that it creates like a whatever with a. I don't know. I've, I feel like I've been out of grad school not that long, but then it's like it. so much of it just decays in, in my mind. Yeah. It's it's crazy how fast we forget things. Yeah. I mean, I, I read a lot of books and, you know, with a lot of the books I read, I can only think of a couple lessons maybe I've gleaned from them or something like that. Sure. And I wonder, like, you know, I'll read a 500 page book and then six months later, I couldn't tell you most of what happens, uh-huh. what was in the page. It's just... So yeah, that's that's always. Uh, I think, but I, I, isn't everybody kind of like that? And then yeah. it's like these certain moments that pop back at you or something, right? So it comes back at you in a weird way. Sometimes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very true. One of the things I noticed was that your book is full of awesome lists. You you really use lists Thank in a lot of different ways. Yeah, it's great. So you've got a whole chapter of fan fiction titles. You've got you love using lists in kind of paragraphs where you just have commas of just like items after items after items. I mean. And, you know, everybody kind of lists are a huge thing now, you know, online, obviously everyone gets, you know, the top five reasons to do X or whatever. I mean, what, what, what is the deal with lists? Why, why are they so great? Why did you use them so this much? This is a great question. Also, all these questions are great. I want to say right here on this podcast that these questions are so good. Um, Thank you. And, yeah. I love it. You're killing it with the, with the book specific questions. Um, lists. I, uh, and I thought a lot about this one, uh, lists are i think something there's something uh that allow that creates like um juxtapositions at like you know like you'll list one thing and then the next thing will be a juxtaposition to that like automatically just in your head or like three things that are similar and then the fourth is is a juxtaposition and i think that's like almost automatically pleasing to people um and that's that's fun and uh I um I I'm I'm a big fan of like Thomas Pynchon and David Foster Wallace and uh they that's one thing that influenced me like in college was just that they would write these like pages and pages long paragraphs with like these with with just details of like something that's in a room just all the things that are in like a messy room or something um and that just like amuses me so much and um and it's so rich like it, it gives such a richness to whatever scene it, it almost to excess like because a lot of the time we're we're taught to be um 
economical. And so sometimes to see an author intentionally flaunt that is really funny to me. And, um, and cause it's almost like you're in on the joke. It's like, look, I know it's, you know what I mean? Like, I know I'm not supposed to do this or something, which is like, which is just, it gives me such a kick, like as a reader. And, um, and it's also, yeah. And it's funny. Cause you mentioned like, um, yeah, like listicles and stuff, which weren't like fully as, as like, um, as, as uh, ubiquitous, I think, when I started, uh, right, or when I, and certainly not when I developed the style, but it's, like, I, it is, like, a, a very, like, contemporary thing of, like, um, uh, just a, a fragmentation of, like, here's this, and here's this, and here's, like, nothing is coherent. I don't know. That's, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. No. And that's, like, uh, yeah, there's, like, a, there's, like, a bleak, like, humor in, uh, in it just almost in that inherently or something, I don't know. No, and I, I really like what you said about it being flaunting the rules, you know, in the sense that we're told to be economical, but if you, these lists that just go on forever, it's just like it just drags and people are just like, what's going on? I think it's one of those things where you always hear you have to know the rules and then you can break them. Yeah. And breaking the rules is so is so powerful if you do it right. And yeah. that's the trick, you know. Yeah. You don't want to do it wrong because then it'll just piss people off or be annoying. Like the rules are there for a reason, yeah. presumably. I think I definitely pissed some people off that read <laughs> fragments of it just for on the grounds that I was breaking the rules like in in school and stuff like that and um because I probably was just breaking the you know like I I knew them as well as anybody but I was just like trying to have fun and be like be a little devil with with stuff sometimes yeah. and it, I think it does like drive people nuts sometimes I mean, so did you, was the feedback that you got that this is driving me nuts or this is bad or whatever, did that just fuel you to keep doing it more? <laughs> Sometimes. Basically? Yeah. 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 Or I, I think, I don't know. I think it fueled me to, um, cause, cause I would get an equal amount of positive feedback and I, it would be like, okay, those are my people and they get what I'm doing and they, and, and, um, I, I think it, it fueled me to like play, like know who I'm, uh you know, who, who, who this is for. And, um, it gave me direction in a way, I think. Well, that's good. It's good to have direction. And, and I think it's interesting, especially that you got feedback and incorporated it as you were writing. Yeah. You know, so you weren't just writing in a vacuum and then you had the whole thing and then you shipped it off to an editor or something like totally, you, you were getting yeah. feedback as you were going. And that's, I think that can be a double-edged sword. I know that sometimes, that can you know send you in these weird spirals like wait should i be listening to these people instead of yeah. writing what i want i mean I what remember, if kevin doesn't like it yeah I... <laughs> I know Jeez. well i just flashing back i don't know if you've seen that episode of home movies i think where they were having the comment cards and like they were just like there's you know everyone just is commenting negatively on everything they do and they were just like i don't know i don't what, what we're doing anymore and at the end they were they realized like they just they don't want they're not making movies for other people they're just making them for that's themselves beautiful. yeah that's very that's real yeah. um so the other thing, I, the other thing, I have many things I was thinking about, but I really enjoyed the way that you wrote, sort of the narration, and it really keeps you on your toes, and it's very self-reflexive, and it's talking at the reader, and it's you know, asking whether or not the cocaine was laced with laundry detergent, and <laughs> you know, mentioning the reader by name and breaking down these walls, and you know, so that's obviously a very conscious choice you made while yeah. writing, and so I was curious why you did that and why you wanted to really make it so apparent to the reader that that they were reading a book. Yeah, I I think um, it's 
in part as with like a lot of this stuff it's like in part an, an homage to other stuff i like and yeah. um and just like trying to amuse myself as i'm writing and amuse like the reader and like break down some rules and break down you know break the rules and and be fun with it on on the one hand but i also think um I think I think there is also like a craft based reason for that, which would be like um, and I, I think like uh, George Saunders would be an example of somebody who does this like incredibly well uh, would just to be I, I think like the narrator in any given segment of that book is um, very close to whatever character they're describing. Um, and I think to um, I, I, I think to almost get when what because when something's happening in the book that is in the grand scheme of things not that big of a deal but it's huge to that character in that moment and it's there's there's uh they're they're feeling a lot of tension and like it's this big moment in their lives maybe like caroline um at the bar with that creep that she works with and she's trying to decide if she's gonna have an affair and, and uh so that's like big for her and it's um i i kind of like the idea of like the narrator being so like almost to to excess like on her side and trying to figure out like or you know just so close to her that it's like um like tugging on your shirt almost with it um and I, I think that's like I guess that would be another example of just like uh it's it's entertaining to me when I see it happen and um and I think there's just like an an irony to it where it's like like we all know this is not the literal end of the world. This is just like a big deal. And there's something like, you know, that it kind of presents both sides in that, in that way. Um, like you think both things in your head when you see that kind of like over, overly dramatic, overly close uh, kind of thing where it's like, like reader, aren't you seeing that this is happening? Like it's yeah. Yeah. So it's almost like the, the narration is bridging the gap. It's yeah. kind of like finding, See, making sure that the reader understands what's happening, but also highlighting the the drama and kind of kicking it up to another level. Yeah, because hopefully I'm hopefully I'm with the reader. Like hopefully I know where the reader's at. Hopefully I already know what that the reader knows what the implications of that scene are. But but they will still enjoy the like the irony of. Um, of of talking about it in such a uh, um, such a such an overdrawn way at times because it's you're right inside of Caroline's head and and um, and like yeah like I like I wouldn't expect you to to be reading this as though she's literally like your friend or your mother or something but um, but I but I, I like the idea of like honoring how worked up she is you know yeah <laughs> so i also want to talk about time because this book is takes place all over the place time wise yeah and jumps back and forth with abandon and is just very happy to take the reader back and forth and so i'm just curious why you decided to do that and and what are some of the pros and cons that you were thinking through when, when you made those decisions a lot, a lot of it came from wanting to um, sort of tell the story of like a community at large in general, like, you know, just like a few people who kind of know each other and, uh, and then focus in on their individual uh, characters and perspectives for different segments of it. And I thought um, 
that I would I would introduce a character and then become uh, interested in them and and sort of like fragments and moments from their life where you see like you have um, you have Ellis in the car being like um, the first time you see Ellis he's driving around and he's very much um, a, like a like a kind of typical like uh, ex hippie dad who's very self righteous and um, isn't really he's just kind of giving a monologue and not really listening to anybody around or caring what they're talking about and um and so i wanted to see like like the best moment in his life and what was the moment where everything turned and changed and because i think it's heartbreaking the idea that like somebody was born and that was the moment that their parents lives stopped being cool and i think maybe millennials are handed that narrative like subtly and not so subtly a lot of the time and i don't don't think i originally initially like uh thought of thought of doing it that way but then i became interested in it and i became um like I, I like I figured out it had to be 1985 because it's 2012, um, so it had to be 1985 when they like got together, um, and so I so I had a lot of fun, like reading and thinking about 1985, you know. Yeah, because that's I mean such a different era. It's, it's weird. It's hard it's, to imagine. Yeah, and the things that for I I think like one thing that I really enjoy doing. Um, is, is just finding things and, um, and, and references and, uh, ephemera and setting something in a specific year helps that where you can say, like, I, I know I reference, um, there's a DC comics thing that happened, uh, the crisis on infinite earths. And I, I mentioned that and I talk about, a bunch of bands and stuff and i i felt like they i managed to do it in a thematic way and uh, um uh in it where the imagery cohered to to the uh, the 2012 stuff uh and 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 you've got uh friday the 13th movies and things like that like that's very specific imagery that matches up no that's great it, it reminded me of um i don't know if you've read ready player one it's kind of this I've never read it. I oh. know I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so I mean it's it's just the book is one big homage to the 80s, you know, this kid yeah. has to play all these games and and get really good at all these 80s video games essentially. <laughs> and so it has all those intricate details about all these different video games where the guy clearly just researched an insane amount to yeah. get all of that those so particular awesome. things in there. Yeah. yeah, and that's so I think that's exactly what you're talking about is is what makes it so interesting is that we can really identify and especially for people that were around then that can then also really even be reminded of that it's like yeah. an extra plus for them because they get to take a journey down memory lane yeah those those are the people that were mad at me and were oh, really? like, how dare i <laughs> that's so funny yeah. well how how dare you bring up their their <laughs> exactly favorite what year or whatever yeah. yeah you weren't even there yeah <laughs> that's really good so you also did you use use a lot of interesting tropes and you did something where you would always take things to the extreme to make a point <laughs> You're essentially, like when, when, for instance, when Jimmy was being interviewed for for his job, um, I think this was at the at the school, the elementary school, maybe. Each interviewer would ask like a 
regular question like what's your biggest weakness and then jimmy would have like a crazy internal dialogue about mm-hmm. everything he's ever done wrong and the whole you know problems with his mom and, and it was just like a huge disaster for him yeah and you do this a lot where you just like just jammed home like how crazy things were by going to yeah. the extremes in any given situation so you know why, why did you decide to do that and and, and what what makes that so successful because these are very i i think like very normal like middle class lives that I'm describing in a lot of ways, but then I'm I'm also with both Jimmy and Phil, I think I'm also um speaking to maybe my experience as a person with anxiety and a person who um just makes mountains out of molehills. And um I I so I think um and and I I think it's good uh it's just good material to, to take, to make a mountain out of a molehill. Sometimes it's just to, to, to take something that everyone knows sucks, like a job interview or I don't know, um, where, where it, um, and, and to just complete the thought so far, so much further than it could ever go like that, then it should be going. And if you're just going to be a professional about it, then you just like have these answers to these questions and then you just move on. And, um, and I, I like, I like the idea of having a character who's almost a savage in the midst of, of like a uh, normal suburban life and who, uh, who, who can't, um, who can't handle these things and um and because i i what i hope is that it speaks to people somewhat because everyone kind of feels it on some level and they don't they don't want to admit it to themselves or they you know what i mean yeah yeah i mean it's interesting because it it actually reminded me a bit of white noise have you have you read white I noise, love white noise. Yeah, yeah yeah so it's great because it just it's it satirizes the suburban yeah. life so so extensively yeah you know and that and that's what I think that's what this is taking things to the extreme. And I think that's what satire is a lot of the time. Yeah. I think, yeah. And white noise is, um, like, uh, there's, there's such a preoccupation with death and disasters. And it's almost like those characters are yearning or definitely is like, they're just like, they, they crave this, uh, connection with the, the visceral. And, um, yeah. So I think that I, that definitely speaks, spoke to me and and um influenced me because it's yeah the the more the more vanilla you try to make things the more it's going to come roaring back the opposite direction yeah for sure so so uh, you know jimmy gets the job and then walks out on it <laughs> to, to to buy a ticket to jamaica to record rap music uh so you know, this is obviously everyone wants to do this, yeah. <laughs> um, but most people don't do it. What do you think made Jimmy really do it? And then the follow-up is this obviously all goes horribly wrong for him yeah. because then everything falls apart in Jamaica yeah. and, you know, he gets arrested and it's just all this ridiculousness happens. So it's, I feel like you simultaneously let the reader kind of bask in the enjoyment of, oh, he gets to do something I've always wanted to do. This is great. Good for him. <laughs> and it just comes back to bite him like crazy. And, and the reader is just like, that's right. That's why I don't do that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, was that kind of the setup? Was that the reason? I hope or why so. Did you I hope that? that I, I think so. But I, I also hope that the reader is very disappointed in Jimmy for walking out on that job, that his girlfriend walks, that is, his, he, he's, he's dating the girl that he's working with and he leaves her too, which is terrible. And, uh, so, and, uh, but I, I think he, 
he does it because he never got a chance to like even try for his dream really and he never i mean partly on his own that's his own fault he never did it in the first place but also um that he it's you you he he never did anything big or adventurous in his life except just fuck around and and uh, be mischievous and antagonize people and it's it was like a yearning that he'd had all this time to maybe make something real and constructive of it and uh and i think there is like a beauty to that yearning as uh definitely and and um and like he does almost make it and like i think like the stuff that he records I think that I wrote that to be like, I would love to hear that, you know, like that to me is like, that sounds great. And, um, and, and I, cause I, I do think that he, he has like this talent and, um, and this ability, um, but he mismanages his, the opportunities that come to him and the lack of opportunities that come to him. The lack of opportunities make him depressed and then the opportunities make him too impulsive and uh and make bad decisions um and so i i i guess i wanted i guess i i wanted to see like what would happen when when he gets what he needs and then what would happen when he gets what he wants and then um and and then he yeah he does have something that's pure bad luck happen to him pure uh, unlikely bad luck happens to him in a way, uh, what I hope is that the reader will kind of like feel a thrill in in, in seeing him uh, get owned in such a specific way, where he's like, um, you know, insulted personally as well as like things go wrong for him. Yeah, I mean, I well, I think that the idea that but people taking that pleasure and in, in when things go wrong, that Schadenfreude idea is, is very big there, and I think that. Yeah. Things are constantly going wrong for him. I mean, and then yeah. at the end, you know, after the whole trip, he has to like beg to his mom to yeah. like you get out of there. Like it's just everything is bad. But yeah, I think people would kind of enjoy that to some extent yeah. because you know it's then validates their inaction in their lives. Like I was saying. Yeah. Um, but I, I, that's another time where it's maybe just a subconscious metaphor for me going to grad school and feeling like I fucked up my life or something because. Mm. Um, cause I did have like a pretty good job, like at a school. And then I was like, oh no, I got into grad school. Like I'm out of here. I'm moving to California. Like, you know, and, uh, uh, and so there's this feeling of, of, uh, doing something impulsive and maybe just very costly in the name of like the dream or whatever, uh, that it's, I want to, I want to see it glorified, but also like dragged down at the same time. Yeah. Fair enough. So near the end of the book, Dennis, who was the the former cult leader, yeah. comes to Ellis's door to sell Ellis magazines. And Ellis, to, again, Schadenfreude is just reveling in in what how far Dennis has fallen. Um, but then Dennis ends up robbing Ellis, yeah. right? And it, it just everything goes wrong. I mean, it, why did why did that have to happen? And, and <laughs> you know, why why was it important that? He he reveled and then got screwed, almost yeah. like Jimmy's get positive and then negative again. Is this just just that cycle that keeps happening that you wanted to really imprint on people? Maybe, yeah. I think it's like a in 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 miniature, like a version of Jimmy's whole story. It's like a 
like, cause, because Ellis, we'd seen so much of his life up to that point, and we we know that like he deserves to have that moment of glory where he tells off the guy uh, who tried to imprison his family and he who sexually harassed him and uh, who's just a creep all around, and that guy has fallen. And so Ellis has this moment, and then, uh, but then he just gets hit in the head, and uh, I maybe he had that coming to him too, or he just was he uh, he, he. I think if you revel in that moment of glory too much, then you you lose your guard. Yeah, and uh, he'd wanted it all his life. You know, everybody wants to to uh, to to have that moment where you're so right, and the person that everything that has ever gone wrong in your life it's like the one cause of that is like standing before you it's too good to be true you know and it was yeah (laughs) no so that that beautifully segues into into what i want to talk about next which is like what are some some lessons you think are maybe imparted in the book and i think like that's that's a clear one right there sure that you just mentioned don't let your guard down don't let your guard down ever (laughs) always yeah maybe i yeah because i i wouldn't want to be too didactic all the all the messages really is that uh this is this is how life is sometimes and if this is what you're going through be careful but also you know we get it everyone gets it you know that's how it is and i you know like I think in part it's maybe it's like stuff that I wish that I had uh, known about when I was younger or something. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's 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 like beware of cults, be, but don't be too much of a a lone wolf. Um, and then I, I, you know, I think hopefully like it it comes down to an idea that like. Um, that friendship is good art is good and even even if you have to struggle for it as like to a ludicrous degree maybe there's like some disaster looming and we're all gonna die but it's still you know it's a it's it's ultimately it's okay it's all just kind of a it's it's all just it's all funny and like ridiculous like every uh, you know uh and and we can we can laugh about it retroactively even as horrible and like tense and and scary as things can feel sometimes yeah i think that last part is absolutely key is that you have to be able to laugh a little bit yeah even at the craziest and upsetting most upsetting things and yeah and to me that's definitely helped me a lot with get through things sure so i think that that's a great message to take away so one of the things i asked you to do was to pick another book yeah and I ask you to pick another book that can maybe help contextualize what you wrote or discussion in relation to sure. to your book. So, so tell me about the other book and, and and what its deal is. So I said, um, I my my like my book's like date to the ball is the daring young man on the flying trapeze by William Saroyan. Which, um, so I was I was in um, I was in a workshop uh, with. Peter Orner, who uh, is a San Francisco State, uh, uh, you know, professor, and he, uh, um, his book "Love and Shame and Love" uh, is an excellent one that I would recommend as well, um, and also uh, fragmented and with humor and like found like historical things and um, 
and and uh, and he's uh, he recommended this book to me, um, and he was like, it's and it's it's one of those things that's kind of like over the past like few decades of literary history has kind of fallen by the wayside, but like it used to be some people's catcher in the rye. Like if that, like it was like Beatles versus Stones, like Catcher in the Rye versus Daring Young Man and the Flying Trapeze, and um, and that uh, and and that book consists of um, short stories, many of which are monologues from the same character or a similar character, um, who is 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 uh relentlessly a loser and a slacker and he believes in it like it's he's constantly justifying things to himself and uh and he's broke all the time um and i uh, i i think it's it's a very for a writer i think it's very liberating to read because it doesn't it doesn't a, a lot of um a lot of short stories just present a scenario and then there's like something happens and it makes you think or whatever. And it, I, it almost aggressively doesn't do that. It, it's, it seems like it's so aggressively into this one dude's perspective, which it can't be because life can't go on in that same direction all the time. Um, but that's, that's like the, almost the fun of it is the finding the, the nuances of how, uh, how this guy is, I mean, like the first ca- the character in the first one dies, um, and but then it it just goes on with these same stories where he's in the it's a very similar character just increasingly um, so averse to change, so averse to making something of himself, uh, so actively you know much like Holden actively negative about everything around him, and it's a delight. <laughs> that sounds great yeah that's the best pitch i've ever heard uh for a book besides yours oh, so i will definitely go check yeah, that one out people should read it nowadays it, it sounds good because i mean it's one of like everyone's read catcher in the rye or at yeah, least you've been yeah. assigned to read it by your high school english teacher yeah. even if you didn't so it's interesting that somehow this the, the other book it got dropped at some point yeah you know i wonder how that happened yeah poor marketing right but i do like uh, date to the ball, by the way. So I'm going to steal that phrase. Okay, cool. Yeah, and yeah use yeah. that. That's a great, great way of putting it. Uh, okay, so I wanted to ask you just some quick, quick little ra- random questions. Um, the thunder round, because I'm different, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap it all up. Sound good? Yeah. Cool. So, uh, what are you reading through the back of this? <laughs> I don't you, know. Are you trying to get the, trying to get the questions? <laughs> yeah. Nice. So, uh, what's one of your favorite places you've ever been? Uh, New Orleans. So, so why is that? Um, it's very, uh, it's like a, I mean, I've, I've only been there for like one night and, um, me and my girlfriend are going back, uh, next month to, for like a long weekend. And, uh, I, it's, it's like, so it sounds, I'm going to sound like I'm like exoticizing something that I don't know about, but it's like, it's there's a, a mysteriousness to it and it's like a very different culture it's 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 extremely rich in terms of there's music everywhere there's food everywhere um i recently i like posted on facebook like what should i do in new orleans and like everybody had a fucking suggestion uh that was different like i think like over the like if you read through all my facebook comments 
every single place in New Orleans got recommended. <laughs> it's it's just a hundred across yeah, the board. It's just all great. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean that's that's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah. I've been to New Orleans. I, I think yeah, you're right. It's it's very different. And that's yeah. that's what makes it so interesting. Yeah. I love that you came up with that also based on just spending like, you know, a day there. Like yes. that's, that's awesome. When, yeah. when a place hits you like that, you know? It's totally. like love at first sight. Yeah. So uh, uh beyond that, what's uh beyond going back to New Orleans, what's something on a bucket list on your bucket list that you haven't gotten to yet or what's something you really want to do? I was going to say have a hit book. <laughs> yeah. That's a great answer. <laughs> Which you will. Thank you. Thanks to this podcast. <laughs> Call it the Monaster Bump. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so recommend a book besides the one we've discussed so far. So we have we've talked actually about a lot of books, but yeah. just throw something crazy out there. I really like the the idea of one maybe people haven't heard of, but or maybe people that maybe one people have heard of. I was gonna say uh, Monster Party by Lizzie Acker and King Wizard by Tom Batten. Whoa. I'm friends okay. with both of those people. So awesome. It's, it's just a, yeah. Now, now that's, that's. But they are two of my favorite books. Hands That's down. great because you're both helping them and in, uh, showing off excellent literature. Yeah. That's, I've never heard of either of those books. So yeah, I will read. Yeah. Great. So let's wrap it all up. Um, most importantly, where can people buy the book? Now they're so excited about it. Snowgoosepress.com. That's the first, the Spell first that. book on snow snow goose press. Oh, snow like, goose okay yeah. yeah so you don't need to spell that but i, I, didn't, I thought it was something like snogus or something crazy. Uh, uh. snow goose press.com yeah awesome um so what Which do you is a link to like the create space and so you can also get it on amazon and uh, ibooks as well okay amazon ibooks snow goose press.com yeah. got it and what else are you doing what are you up to now um i'm working on what i'm Working on writing right now is uh, some uh, some short story. I want to I want to put together a collection of short stories, and I I, th- I think I have enough. I have a few finished and enough ideas to to where I have like a cohesive vision for it vaguely. Um, so I've been working on that, and I'm just kind of slowly like uh, finishing one and trying to send them out and see what I can do with them. Um, and I, uh, I've, I've been, um, working on some stuff for the stage, some more like storytelling kind of stuff. And I don't fully know what I'm going to do, um, with those. Uh, but if you, I guess you, you, you could follow me on Twitter at Nathaniel Wag, N-A-T-H-A-N-I-E-L-W-A-G-G, um, and uh, at Nate Wagner on Instagram, I post that kind of stuff, like updates on on that kind of stuff. I'll have a few things, um, a few surprises, and also Ooh. a lot of dumb jokes on there. Um, it's really the core of social media: oh, surprises absolutely. and dumb jokes. Yes, that's the best. Um, and uh, I post, um, I I do cartoons for the Willamette Week, which is. Um, the alt weekly in uh, in portland um and i I'll, I'll post those on there too uh yeah and that's that's about it for right now and if anyone listening is a local new yorker maybe talk about your reading series oh yeah and then i've got funny sexy sad uh me and amira pierce host uh that and um september 15th is the next one 
at molasses books at eight o'clock. Um, and I don't have it in front of me. Harvey Katz, uh, uh, Magdalena Waz, a few other great people are going to be there. Um, and it's always packed. It's always a great time. Uh, it's a, a charming used bookstore in Bushwick that sells coffees and beers and I like it a lot. Uh, it's going to be great. Yeah, I can attest. It, I, I, I went to the, I believe, inaugural one, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah. So definitely check that out if you're in town. All right, well, that's it. Thanks so much, Nate, for being on. Really appreciate Thank it. You. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much for listening to this inaugural episode of Read, Learn, Live. If you liked it, tell a friend or two and subscribe on iTunes and Google Play. If you hated it, tell a friend or two and subscribe on iTunes and Google Play. And so it goes. <laughs> <laughs>